stand with me this morning.
this moment together. Worthy is the Lamb who saved. Let's lift our voices. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. That's right. Worthy is the Lamb who saved. Worthy. Worthy is the King. this last week. It's a pleasure to see you. I won't blame you. New Year's Day can be a little rough depending on if you actually made it to midnight. I didn't make it to midnight. Truth be told, I was in bed with some coconut water at nine o'clock. It's a good time. They say as you get older, because I'm not old yet, I'm told, <laughs> but as you get older, things just don't work the same. Am I right? <laughs> Oh, but I just want to say, as we get into this new year, there are a lot of ways that you can try to reconstruct yourself. There are different ways that you can tell yourself you're not enough. And maybe you aren't, but I want to remind you that God is enough, and His timing's the right timing. I'm going to share a little more on that after this song, but we have to trust that this is the moment for us, that God has brought us in this space together on purpose, intentionally so. And as we stand here singing these songs, this is the time to be fully present. It's the time to be here in this room with these people being reminded of truth and of faith. That feelings aren't what sustain us. Amen. So we're going to keep worshiping here this morning.
solid rock It all ends and begins with you Alpha and Omega I was in Habakkuk this week in a devotional and I think every start of the year we come up with these crazy plans of things we want to do. We want to get fit. We want to do all kinds of fun things. And the calendar date has nothing to do with the journey, does it? God's timing doesn't end and begin with the new year. I want to remind whoever this is for that you're in perfect syncopation in time with God's plan for your life. You have not fallen behind Maybe it's taken a few starts to get to where you are, and maybe it's defeating sometimes, but you're in the right step and you're in the right time when you trust in his time. Anyway, in Habakkuk it says, to write the vision, make it a plan on tablets, for still the vision awaits its appointed time. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come, it will not delay. I want to remind you that God's time is perfect time. And you don't have the full picture most of the time to tell God who he should be and where he should be. It's humility that requires you to worship at his feet and wait for the appointed time for the hopes and dreams that he's laid in your heart. As we sing this next song together, let's just be reminded in praise of who he is and what he's done what he has accomplished and what he can accomplish in and through us.
this out as one church, one body, one family. just the mountaintops, but even in the valleys that you are faithful. May we be soft and open to what you have for us here this morning. We love you, we praise you, we bless you. It's in your son's name we pray these things. And the church said, amen. Good morning, Grace Point, and happy new year. Have a seat. Give me a second to get organized. I... If we haven't met, my name is Rick. I am not Pastor Bob. If, uh, if you've been at Grace Point for a while, you're disappointed. I promise you, I'm disappointed more. Um, and if you're not new, then you don't know what you're missing. But if you're not new, I, I do want to point out this in the back of your seat, this communication card. If you're brand new to our church, we want to make sure that you are aware of what we're up to. We'd love to stay in touch with you. Please fill out this card. And um, one thing that I like to tell people is that we have a coffee shop right out here. We have great coffee for $2. You cannot beat that. But actually, you can. Because if you're new, you fill out this card, you hand it to them, and your coffee is free today. Um, Don't abuse that privilege. If you fill out multiple cards, I'm going to know. But... (laughs) I'll leave that there. Um, Kidding aside, um, I'm actually thrilled that I get this opportunity. And to do it right now at the beginning of the year is is just such an honor, such a blessing, because I think that, uh, in truth, I've known for a couple of weeks that that Bob had this day with another obligation, and and I had this opportunity, and I've been seeking what God would want to share. And um, I believe he's given me something good, something that's going to... Uh, to, to really just kind of light a fire under us for what God could do with Grace Point Church in the coming year. So uh, it's, it's going to be good. I'm, uh, I'm grateful for this opportunity. I'm grateful for, for your attention here. Um, I want to begin with a story. Actually, I'm not quite ready. I'm incompetent. Um, it's, um, I'm, I'm going to guess that I'm 45 years old, about half of you are younger than me, about half of you are older than me. Um, if you're my age or older, you, you're probably going to remember this story. It was kind of a big deal at the time. If you're younger than me, or maybe you, maybe you didn't grow up in the United States, play along. It's, it's, um, it's still going to be meaningful, I'm sure. Do you guys remember in 1987, I was 10 years old, there was, um, there was a big story in the news Um, If I said the name Baby Jessica, do you remember that? Jessica McClure fell down the well in Texas. I was 10 years old, and I remember we had just got, like, CNN. We could watch the news 24 hours a day, and um, we could read the newspaper. We had the evening news and so forth. Um, And there were stories like this. There was this, uh, this baby Jessica, Jessica McClure in Texas, that had fallen down a well. She was 18 months old. 
the well is eight inches in diameter and 20-something feet deep, and she's, she's fallen in, but she's alive and well, and she's, she's singing like Winnie the Pooh songs. But we've got to get baby Jessica out of the well. And my attention and the attention of the entire nation was just focused on this. It was, it was um, something that is just seared in my memory. They, they got this big rig and drilled another hole next to this one. And not a big hole, but big enough for an adult to go down and rescue baby Jessica. And you remember, they got her out and we all celebrated. Um, this is what it looked like. That was a picture that... that probably in more than just me, seared in your memory, that um, baby Jessica rescued from the well. Well, um, we moved on with our lives, and uh, I didn't give a lot of thought to baby Jessica after a while, but, you know, I, I didn't, I grew up in urban San Diego. We didn't have wells. Uh, I didn't really have any concept of, of what that would be like, and, and this idea of, of being able to see this other part of the world through the television um, I, my experience with wells was like when Timmy fell in and Lassie had to go get help, that, that's what I knew about wells. Or, or Jack went to go get a pail of water and he broke his crown because those wells are dangerous and Jill didn't learn the lesson. She came tumbling after. That's what I knew about wells when I was 10 years old. But we learned a lot. We got, we got this education from this experience. Um, but 20 years goes by. Now I'm I'm married, I've got kids. Um, some of you who know me know that uh, I was a missionary for a long time. And um, what you might not know is that to become a missionary is a rather lengthy process. We had to go um, have some, some meetings and psychological tests and so forth to, uh, to see if we were the right fit. So they put a group of us in a room together and we got to, to meet one another. And um, there's this young lady in the room and um, she was about 10 years younger than me. And she says, she introduces herself to the room and she says, my name is Jessica McClure. And I thought, that's baby Jessica. And I couldn't contain, I, baby Jessica. And she looked at me kind of strange. I'm, I'm a grown woman. What are you calling me baby Jessica for? And as I thought about that, I thought, maybe you don't want that to define your whole life. Maybe you want to be known for like some actual accomplishments other than I'm the one who fell down the well so I'm not going to push here, but, but I really need to know if that's baby Jessica from the well. And so, um, so I tried to find some sly way to, to get this information, and I said, hey, you know what would be fun? Let's introduce ourselves, and hey, maybe we could tell a story of something interesting that happened to us when we were kids. <laughs> and she told a story that had nothing to do with, with wells and I got, I got nothing, and I remember this detail that they had to amputate one toe, and I was trying to find out if, if she was missing a toe. Um, well, come to find out that she was just a few months too young. It wasn't the same Jessica McClure that, that I was thinking of. It was mistaken identity. Um, and I was a little disappointed, honestly. If I, I, wanted, I wanted that to be the baby Jessica, but it wasn't, and not her fault. She didn't pick her name. But so then I thought, what about, what about Mr. and Mrs. McClure? What were they thinking? Mom and dad, th this baby's a couple months younger than the other baby Jessica. And they're thinking, what, what, what are we going to call this little baby girl? How about Jessica? No, you don't do that. You, you, this is, <laughs> that name's taken. That, the, Jessica, but I, I found out later, like, there's actually quite a few Jessica McClures out there. If you Google it, um, there's 
Jessica McQuarrie is all over the place. So I was, uh, I was just uninformed. Um, the fact of the matter is, is that identity is more than just your name, more than your physical characteristics. We have a spiritual identity too. And um, as you might gather, that's, that's really what I want to emphasize. What I really want to focus on is our, our identity spiritually, our identity that we find as uh, sons and daughters of Christ. Um, and I mentioned disappointment. Um, have you ever been disappointed in someone? Of course you have. Um, but have you ever been disappointed with what you see in yourself? Because I've been there too. And I want to say that the, uh, the question of identity comes up a lot in the Bible, and it has a lot to teach us. Um, so we're going to get into that today, and I'm, I'm glad you're along for the ride. I want to say that this is what I want you to remember, if you remember nothing else, is that we've allowed the wrong things to define us. Um, yeah, I have more to say about that too, but uh, there's, there's, a, there's a definition, an identity that God has, has given us, and there's an, another identity that, uh, that we put on ourselves, that we allow other people to put on, that the, the enemy wants us to identify with, but uh, God wants more for us. So as I'm thinking about um, some character studies in the Bible that we could illustrate this point with, the first one that comes to mind is, is Peter. And I'm going to read you a story from, uh, from Mark 14 about Peter's denial of Christ. But um, as you know, we've been going through the book of Mark for a long time, and we haven't got to chapter 14 yet. And Pastor Bob is going to cover that in much greater detail. So I'm going to skim over this. There's much more to say about, uh, about this particular incident, but I'm not going to make such a big mess that Pastor Bob has to clean it up after me. So we're, we're just going to... Um, Briefly read through Mark 14. I'm going to start in in, uh, verse 66. While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. You were also with that Nazarene, Jesus, she said. But he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about, he said. And he went out into the entryway. When the servant girl saw him there, she said again to those standing around, this fellow is one of them. And again, he denied it. After a little while, those standing near said to Peter, surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. He's got this accent that gives him away. He began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't know this man you were talking about. Lord Jesus, would you bless the word that you've given us today? Would you allow it to penetrate deeply into our hearts? In Jesus' name. So, the servant girl here... um, this isn't the same kind of mistaken identity that I described to you with, with Jessica McClure. Peter was exactly who she thought he was, and Peter knew it. So theologians, theologians they have a, a term for what Peter's doing here. It's, it's lying. Peter was lying. Peter was afraid of the consequences of being affiliated with Jesus in this moment. And um, he did, the, the crowd had turned against Jesus. And Jesus, um, 
Jesus' name had become toxic. He was really popular, but, but at this point, he's quite unpopular, and Peter wants nothing to do with him. And, and of course, Jesus had predicted this in Peter. Um, but as I said, we've allowed the wrong things to define us, and the first case here that we find in Peter is that Peter allowed peer pressure to determine his identity. So the crowd was against Jesus, wanted nothing to do with Jesus, said, I never knew Jesus, and now so does Peter. Like I said, I'm not going to dwell on that, because you're going to hear more about Peter in the coming weeks, but um, it's not just Peter that we find this in. Um, I'm going to read you an account from Exodus 3 about Moses speaking to God in the form of the burning bush, but I want you to see how we, just like Moses, allow our doubts to determine our identity. So here's, here's Moses' story. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Sounds pretty good, right? On the one hand, you've got slavery in Egypt. Now you've got a good and spacious land. Seems like that's, that's something that I'd want to jump on that train. But Moses says, Moses says to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? So Moses isn't um, opposed to the idea. He's opposed to him being the, the, the one to lead this charge. Moses says, I'm out of my league. I don't have what it takes to do this. But surely, you know, from a logical point of view, we can see, looking down at this story from 10,000 feet, God appearing in the form of a burning bush surely knows whether Moses has what it takes more than Moses himself does. But Moses is convinced he's out of his league. His doubt has determined his identity. And um, God and Moses continue this dialogue, and a few verses later, Moses says, what if they don't believe me? Or they listen to me and they say, the Lord did not appear to you. So Moses is coming up with another excuse. They won't believe me. I doubt that they will believe me. My, again, it's, it's back to, to doubt is the root of this. Nobody's going to listen to me. I don't have what it takes. And God's patient with us. God's patient with Moses here. And God continues to speak to Moses. And Moses continues to complain about it. So we're now in Exodus 4, verse 10. Moses says to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. Can I just say that is the most eloquent way to say that I am not eloquent that I could really envision? Um, I can't talk good. That, that's how it would come out of me. But maybe the people Moses hang around with are better at public speaking than, than I am, but the bar is higher for him. But anyway, the point is, Moses says, 
I'm not equipped. I can't do the thing that you want me to do. I can't go to Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world at this time, and tell him what you said because I'm just not eloquent. I was never eloquent before. I'm not eloquent now. Even after you told me this, I don't feel like I'm up for that task. I am not equipped. But we come back to this idea that who knows more in this situation? Does, does God know what Moses is capable of, or does Moses know what Moses is capable of? I'm, I'm here to say that God knows more than we know. So God and Moses, they continue this, this dialogue. Finally, in verse 13, we see Moses say, Pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. I'm all, I'm all out of reasons. Just Can I just not do this? <laughs> can you send someone else? I, I just doubt that I have what it takes to do this. I'm not the guy. Mistaken identity. I'm not the person that you, you think I am. And as, as usually happens, God wins these arguments, and we know Moses goes on to, to do great things and calls out the plagues on, on Egypt, and he escapes. And he does, in fact, bring the Israelites out of slavery and, and to the promised land. But his doubts don't really disappear. They, they follow behind. And um, even into uh, Exodus 5, I don't think this is in your notes, but in verse 22, Moses returns to the Lord and said, why, Lord, have you brought trouble on this people? Is this why you sent me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble on this people, and you have not rescued your people at all. Of course he did, he does, but we, we still suffer with these doubts. We struggle with these doubts, even, um, even in the midst of God doing amazing things right before our eyes. But that's Moses' story. Um... So we've got peer pressure, like in Peter. We've got doubts, like we see in Moses. Um, I want to also say that we allow our fears to determine our identity. And one of the places we see this is in the story of Gideon. Gideon's story is uh, recorded for us in Judges chapter 6. I'm going to read a bit of that to you. So the Israelites did evil in the sight of the Lord. And for seven years, he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, in caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land, and they ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. So that's the scene. Um, Israel is retreated back to these, these caves, but you know you, you, you can't grow food in a cave. You've got to get out and do it. And the Midianites see this, and they they... They prevent Israel from getting what they need. Um, and it's in that scene where we find Gideon. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the Abiezrite, 
where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Let's pause and unpack this. So, I told you what I know about wells. Um, I know just about as much about threshing wheat or making wine. So I had to do some reading. But um, the wine press that Gideon would have been using is a, is a pit in the ground. You put your grapes in there, you squash the grapes, you make the juice that becomes the wine. Um, that's not the kind of place that you want to be threshing wheat. Because when you thresh wheat, you're separating the grain from the stalk. And the, the best way to do that is to throw it up in the air with a basket or a pitchfork or something and let the wind do the work of carrying the chaff away. The heavy grain falls down. You can collect that. That's what you use to, uh, to make your, your flour with. Um, except that you can't get the benefit of that wind from the wine press. That's the kind of work you do on the hill where the, where the wind works for you. And uh, for Gideon to be doing this in the wine press, he's not dumb. He knows this, but he also knows if I do this out in the open, the Midianites are going to see what I'm doing, and they're going to take everything that I have. So I'm going to do this secretly, even though I'm not going to get the, the same kind of yield, I'm not going to get the same results, it's going to take way longer, but they won't take what I have. It's, it's fear. His decision is based on fear. And the fear was justifiable. We just read what the Midianites have has done. So uh, I'm not criticizing him for, for his fear. I just want to point out to you that it's in the midst of this activity that the angel of the Lord appears to Gideon to say, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. That's the identity that God had for Gideon. Not the identity that he surely felt at the time, hiding away, trying to get a little bit of wheat so that he can make an existence for himself. So you're Gideon, how are you going to respond to this? This is what Gideon says, pardon me, my Lord, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. So a little background I think might help here. When, when Moses was born, Pharaoh was uh, killing all the firstborn children in Egypt, recall that. And uh, Midian, uh, sorry, Moses escapes that. He ends up growing up in Egypt, but he runs off and he escapes. And he, he goes to the land of Midian. And he, his wife was a Midianite. And his father-in-law was Jethro, the high priest of the Midianites. So it was, it was these same Midianites that sent Moses off, and they were an ally to Israel in, in defeating Pharaoh's army. And now we look and we say, okay, we've got We've got the yoke of Egypt removed from us, but now Midian has turned on us. We're back in the same place we were. It's just Midian now instead of Egypt. Um, it's understandable that, uh, that Gideon is, is skeptical here, that he, even that he's fearful. But the Lord is pretty firm in what he said. He said, 
I'm with you. You're a mighty warrior. Um, and he continues to say, the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? In other words, I'm not dissuaded by your circumstances. doesn't matter if it's Egypt or if it's Midian. Go in the strength you have. I am sending you. I think that's pretty powerful. Um, Gideon wasn't convinced. Gideon says, pardon me, my Lord. Or maybe it was, pardon me, my Lord? How can I save Israel? My clan is weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. I'm the smallest guy in my family, and my family is the smallest out of the families. I'm the last person who should be saving Israel. The Lord answered, I'll be with you. He's clear, and he's consistent, he's patient. But the identity here that, that God is trying to instill in Gideon is clear. He's a mighty warrior. He can do things that, because God's empowering him, God is, is driving this. So I want you to think about identity in a new way, our identity as God sees us. And we can learn some lessons from these characters. Peter, Peter's identity is not what I read to you from Mark 14. The identity of Peter we can find in Matthew 16. Uh, I don't think I have it in your notes, but I'll read it to you. Um, Matthew 16 says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Yeah, yeah, but, but what about you? Jesus says, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So, Peter's name originally was, was Simon. Some of you know this. Peter come, is, is the name that Jesus gives to him. And Peter is not just another name. Peter comes from the Greek word that means rock. I'm calling you the rock. I'm giving you this identity of the rock upon which I'm going to build my church. I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. This is the identity that God has for Peter. Not this, this identity that he's fallen into. Um, it's not just Peter. We see in Moses the identity that God has for Moses, the one who sends you, the one who goes and links back to the past, the, the one who did the amazing things in Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, I'm going to continue what, to do what I do through you, Moses. I'm sending you. And similarly in Gideon, uh, in Judges, Gideon is told, 
the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. That's the kind of identity that God has for you. That's the kind of identity I want you to see in yourself. So what about you? Where do you find your identity? I want to give us a couple of things to to think about this. Um, There's there's two different ways that we could uh, find identity in Christ. Both are right. Both are accurate. Um, It's just two different senses in which I want us to think about this question. What does identity in Christ look like? There's, um, There's something here that is universal and something here that is specific to, uh, to each person. So let's start with the, uh, the universal part. You were created for something or someone bigger than yourself. I think that's pretty elementary, but uh, it's, it's more profound than you think, and these points are going to build on one another. So I want you to think about what it would mean to be, to have, to carry with you this kind of identity, someone bigger than me. That's my purpose. Um, I, was con- I was created to contribute to a greater good. I was created to bring good to other people. I was created to cultivate good in other people. And I have a mission greater than simply making myself happy. So, I think if we look at this list, yeah, sure. Um, and even, even people who are outside of the kingdom of God, they might even agree to these things and say, yeah, I think I, think I, could, I could assent to the idea that I'm part of something greater than myself. I'm, I'm able to do things that are not just beneficial to me, but they're beneficial to people around me. So it's true for us. It's, it's true for everybody. I think this is something that's, that's innately in us. What makes it distinctively Christian is, is doing it in response to the love that God has put in our hearts, love that we can't generate for ourselves, love that is sacrificial, and that gets to the, the second part of this. The other way to think about identity in Christ is, is not just in the universal sense, but tell me about where the rubber meets the road. What does it mean for me? And um, I think it's helpful here to re- recall 1 Peter 4.10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So this verse and others, um, the implication here is that we have received a gift that other people maybe didn't receive. Other people have different gifts than I have. That means there's something unique about the purpose for which I exist. That means there's something unique that I can contribute, that the, the fullness of the kingdom of God is not experienced until we all do our part. So um, I think this is a... A good place for me to insert a little commercial for what we do around here at Base Point Church. Um, we have a class that we call uh, 
ministry essentials. And uh, in this class, we, we uncover our spiritual giftings and we, we talk about the ways in which we are uniquely created and what contribution we make to the kingdom of God. And I'll give you just a, a brief preview of it here. Um, we use this acronym SHAPE and we talk about the way that we are shaped for service to God's kingdom. Um, and SHAPE, of course, being an acronym, S is the spiritual gifts that I mentioned. We are all gifted in uh, a specific way. Some people can do things that, uh, that others can't because they just don't have this spiritual gift. That might be hospitality. That might be uh, acts of service. It might, be, um, it might be that you can pray more fervently than other people just because God has gifted you in that way. And, um, and I want to help you uncover that. I want you to, uh, to find what gifts you have and praise God for them. But it's more than spiritual gifts. The H here is, is heart passions. Um, if I look around this room, I'm going to guess that not everybody here is passionate about the same things. I hope they're not. I, I, I hope that uh, some people are passionate about things so that I don't have to be passionate about everything. I think that, uh, I think that we can find strength in our diversity here. I think that we can benefit one another when we recognize that I can empower this person's passion with the spiritual gifting I have, but I don't have to carry that passion. This, the, the, the passion of everyone is going to carry us further when we, when we work in different areas. Um, a is abilities. Um, that kind of goes without saying. I think we, we all inst intuitively know that we have different abilities. Some people around here can do things that I can't do. I can do things that other people can't do. And because of that, we can experience something about the nature of God that one person can't contain because God is bigger than one person can contain. But God's creativity is evident and manifest in our different abilities. Likewise, personalities. Praise God that you don't all have my personality. That wouldn't be a pleasant place to, to hang out. <laughs> but I'm grateful for each one here and the, the different personalities. And we are better together. And this is, this is a good thing. Uh, my, one of my favorite things here is experiences because... Um, I love the idea that God uses our experiences. It isn't just the, the way that our um, DNA was put together that makes us who we are. It's, it's true that our experiences vary from person to person. The way that you grew up, the, your, your siblings, your parents, whatever, the, um, the jobs that you have, all these experiences can be used by God, even the bad ones. The... Uh, what the enemy meant for evil, the Lord can turn around and use for good. And it's our experiences that make us the people that we are. And it's our individual nature of those experiences that helps us to determine the purpose for which we exist, what our identity in Christ is going to look like. Um, so just to, uh, we're getting near the end here, but I want us to th also consider this, Titus 3, 5 through 8. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. 
And I want to stress to you these things so that you who have entrusted who have trusted God may be careful to devote yourself to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. So I say that to say that this is the universal component of this. Devote yourselves to doing good because it's excellent, it's profitable for every one of us. Okay, but how? If that's our, our common identity, um, what does it mean for Grace Point Church? How do we respond to this kind of thing? I'm glad you asked because uh, I'm excited, like I said already, that I'm excited to be giving this talk uh, in January as we think about the big things for, uh, for Grace Point Church in 2023. I want us to get this passion that, that God's put in me over the last month or so thinking about this. Um, I can give you a few ways. You're going to hear at the end from uh, John, our high school pastor. He's going to talk about the need for, uh, for some of you folks to serve uh, with our high school students or perhaps our junior high students. We have some key leaders that are leading, and, and there's going to be some vacancy. There's going to be room for other people to get involved, um, and not just high school, but we have all sorts of jobs here. We always need Readers. We always need coffee shop volunteers, bookstore volunteers, tech team, on and on and on. Um, that's one way, on a regular basis. But um, I also want to use this opportunity to talk about something that I'm particularly excited about, the return of the Faith in Action Day. I wrote pause for raucous applause to subside. Can we get hyped about the Faith in Action Day? Um, some of you are uh, too new to Grace Point Church to, to know what that is about, and you're wondering to yourself, what was all that spontaneous, enthusiastic applause all about? Faith in Action Day is um, it's something that we are going to start doing. We're going to do probably three of them this year, and the first one is March 5th, so you have time. There's no real uh, action to take yet other than clear your calendars. You're going to want to be available on March 5th for Faith in Action Day. Rick, what's a Faith in Action Day? Faith in Action Day is where on a Sunday morning, we keep the, sh keep the front doors locked. And uh, you can come here. You'll get a great parking spot because nobody's going to be here. We're going to be out in the community. We're going to be doing service projects. In the past, that's been um, cleaning up parks or, or schools skate park over here. Sometimes we go down to the uh, police station or the fire station, do things for them. It could look like a lot of things. And um, I'm still kind of filtering through what would be appropriate for us to do this year, but it's going to be amazing. I can tell you that we'll, we'll do some projects with um, the rescue mission. We'll do some projects with Bridge of Hope. Um, I'm also thinking about building some disaster relief kits that we can uh, send for you know, hurricanes and wildfires and that sort of thing, um, some hygiene packs for to send to Ukraine and places where Ukrainians are resettling. Um, also, I'd like to get some people in our church to go and, and do some projects at the home of, of uh, perhaps elderly people in our congregation, elderly people you know, not elderly people that you know. Um, the, the, the door is, is wide open here, and uh, it's going to be just a great way to get out in our community and say that the work that God is doing in us, we want to let other people see that, that, that 
are outside of these walls. And so that's the intention here. And um, it's time to bring that back. And we're going to do that in March. So get hyped. Um, one last way that you can respond is um, I'm going to take a trip to uh, Austria and Hungary coming up this spring after the Faith in Action Day on March 5th, but probably before Easter. I'm, I'm trying to build an interest list of people who might want to come with me uh, to, to Vienna and to Budapest, and um, we'll probably stay about seven days. Um, I used to live there, and I've got some amazing things that I want you to see. There's some friends of mine that are working on uh, refugee resettlement there, helping them with, with their basic needs, helping them with, with language. Um, I also have another group of friends that has been collecting and distributing relief supplies for Ukrainians, and that lately that's been dry goods and warm winter coats and such, and they're, they're loading up vans, and they are taking them to Romania, and they're taking them into uh, western Ukraine. I don't know what they'll be doing when, when we get there, but I can say that that is a big task that is not ending anytime soon, and I'd, I'd love for us to do our part in that. Um, we'll also just kind of take a little survey of, of, of Vienna, and we'll take a train into Budapest. We'll learn about why it's a strategic place for ministry, why at the edge of the uh, Eastern Bloc, why that's a, a good place for us to represent Christ well. And then we're going uh, to get into Budapest, and we're going to meet up with our friend Sabrina, who we sent out over there, and get an update from her, be a... a, be a a good family to her, bring her some care packages perhaps. It's not the kind of trip that everybody can go on. It's expensive. It's, it's going to take some time out of your schedule. But uh, for some of you, I think it's, it's feasible, and I'd love for you to come. If that's something that, uh, that you will prayerfully consider, talk to me. I'm going to have a, an interest meeting where we can nail down some specific dates and we can then get some, some ticket prices and, and see how we can pull this off. Does that sound good? All right. Um, there's so much more I want to tell you about for the, uh, the coming year. Uh, God's really been speaking to me about this year being a, a big one in the history of Grace Point Church. I'm excited for what's coming. I mentioned those um, essentials classes. I think we can really avail ourselves of those and, and grow in our faith this year. Um, not, I'm not going to let the cat out of the bag entirely, but starting next month, we'll, we'll introduce our uh, discovery Bible study where we can work together on uh, a journey through the Bible. It's going to be really encouraging. I've already seen the material. It's, it's amazing stuff. It's really good. I got, um, I got a lot for us to be excited about, and I'm expecting God to do big things through us if we allow it in 2023. So that's just it. Can I pray for us? We'll close. Lord Jesus, it is an honor and a privilege to be your hands and feet in this community 92130 and beyond. In fact, so much so, Lord, that we can't really even fathom the truth of what we're saying. But Lord, we know that you have, uh, you have placed us here strategically and intentionally. And Lord, you, uh, you don't make any mistakes. 
Lord, forgive us for the ways that we have uh, bought into an incorrect concept of identity. Lord, maybe you're even revealing that to us even now. Lord, help us to see ourselves the way that you would see ourselves. Lord, help us to, uh, to live a John 10, 10 lifestyle. Lord, you've come to give us life and life abundantly, not trapped in, in the wine press, but a, a, a triumphant life, Lord. It doesn't mean that everything is, um, all, our, all our problems are solved. And this is a, a journey that we're gonna pursue for the rest of our lives. But Lord, the abundant life that you promise is, is, is not far off in the future, but it's, it's within our grasp. Lord, help us to see that. Lord, thank you for what you're gonna do at Grace Point in 2023. Thank you for bringing me here to this family. Lord, would you bless each one and continue to, uh, to work on each one as we go our separate ways. Ask all these things in the only name that matters, the name of Jesus our Lord. Amen. Let's worship together in song, and then we're going to hear from Pastor John Tabler about high school, and I'm excited for you to see him. Be right back. Oh, you're so weak. 
you guys hello sorry i have an energy i just ran down here from preaching um if you guys don't know me my name is john i'm the high school pastor here at grace point um and i'm i got the fun duty of giving some announcements i have a personal vested interest in in one of them but um so you guys know we've got a lot of things coming up as rick was talking about just the importance of 
kind of digging a bit deeper into our identity and, and finding um, ways that we can be serving God and, and serving others and loving people well. And one of those opportunities, um, though maybe scary for some of you, um, is we are in need of some more high school volunteers to work with our high school students. Um, we've got a little video we're going to show in just a second, but um, it's something that I'm obviously very passionate about, um, and a lot of our leaders, all of our leaders, sorry, are very passionate about. Um, we love just working with these students and working with parents as well um, to walk students through high school. If you guys remember high school, it's a very tumultuous time. There's a lot of uncertainty. There's almost nothing but uncertainty, it seems like. Um, and while I don't have nearly as many answers as I would like to, I have more than they do, so they appreciate that. And that's the same with the rest of our leaders. So if that's something that you want to do, um, we'll show a quick video and then I'll talk for just another minute about that. Hi, I'm Josh Ollier. I'm the student ministry pastor and director here at Grace Point. My name is John Tabler. I'm the student ministries pastor here at Grace Point Church. And here at Grace Point, we really seek to create a safe, secure, open, authentic environment for our students. We have every Wednesday with junior high from 6 to 7.30 and every Thursday with high school from 6.30 to 8. We have our small groups and time of worship. We meet every Sunday morning from 10.45 to about 12, 12.15, depending on when our adult service gets out. When you leave this room, when you go on to college, when you go on to be an adult, how do the things that we learned in here really apply to the outside world? How can we prepare our students to go into college and have a great sense of faith and a great sense of standing with, with who they are in Christ. We do that through monthly events, sometimes twice a month, whether that's here or as a big outing somewhere else. Um, we also do that through our camps. We typically go up into a summer camp for a week with as many students as want to come and it's a really awesome environment for them to connect better and especially away from all the chaos of life. The reason that we do those events twice a month with the junior high and the high school is so that we can continue building our community, our community outside of the church for events going out, um, what it looks like to interact in a youth group outside of this room, but also our community within ourselves, within our group here. Um, that we build to build friendships, to build relationships, not just with the leaders to students, but the students to students as well. And that's truly our wish for you as you come into this place, that you would feel welcome, um, that you would feel open, that you wouldn't feel hesitant and bogged down by the things outside of this place. We want to be with you and we want to walk with you in those things. Just pop in, say hi, we'd love to have you just for a day, we'd love to meet you. That's a, a small glimpse into who we are as a student ministries. Um, we're looking for leaders for both high school and junior high, but high school is a little bit more urgent right now. We've got some leaders who are moving back home to Michigan um, after after a good good time of faithful service. We're excited to send them off, but we also would love some new faces. Also, so you guys know, because I've heard this before, age is not a factor. If If you're thinking I'm too far gone from high school, we all are. To an extent, right? I'm over half, I'm over twice the age of most of our students, and I'm out of touch. So if you feel like you're maybe out of touch, it's fine. Same. 
We're all doing our best with what we have. Um, they don't need that. They don't need someone who's cool or who, you know, does cool backflips or sweet tricks. They don't need that. They just need adults who can walk alongside them in ways that maybe they don't feel fully comfortable talking about at home. That's the biggest thing that we do. We talk to them about scripture, about Jesus, about discipleship, um, but mostly just about life and what's going on in their lives as they navigate high school and even going into college. There's a lot of fear around that. Um, so if you're interested in being a part of that um, and partnering with us, like I said, like that video said, high school meets Thursdays and Sundays, um, Sundays during second service. So first service would still be cleared up for you. Um, but if you're interested in that, shoot me an email at john at gracepointsd.com, J-O-H-N at gracepointsd.com, or josh at gracepointsd.com. We don't like to have too many letters in those, so we kind of hire accordingly. Um, but so that's what we've got going on. Um, we also need some volunteers for our tech team in the back, um, people that you don't see a ton of, but they're making everything work. They're keeping the lights on, so to speak. Um, they make sure everything's actually working so we don't have to just yell up here in the dark. Um, if you want to be a part of that, whether that's helping with cameras or video switching or slides or sound, whatever that is, if you have a, a gift or a passion for that kind of thing, um, please let us know or let Rick know um, and he'll be able to direct you to the right places. Um, two more announcements for things coming up here. This coming Wednesday, we are having our family dinner. Um, out here at 6 p.m., I think out in the courtyard, right? And that's just a great time for parents with kids to come out and, and be together as parents and also let your kids kind of run wild. I've popped in for one or two of those. It gets pretty rowdy um, in the best ways, I promise. So if you want to be a part of that, that's going to be on Wednesday at 6 p.m. out here. Um, and then the last thing next week, not this week, next week, um, we are starting up our small groups again. So starting the week of, I believe, the 15th. Um, if you're involved in a small group, if you've been involved and want to get back into it because things got crazy, that's when those things are going to kick back off. If you want to have more information on that or are interested in seeing like what groups we have available for different slices of life um, or just a mishmash of people who love Jesus and want to talk about it, um, let Rick know about that as well. He's a, he's a great guy. You should talk to him anyways. Um, but he will have information on that for you. I think we have a list of things we can send out to to kind of scan through and, and feel out. But those are great. Um, I've been able to be involved in a couple of them, and, and they're really they're really fulfilling, really gratifying, really just a good space to kind of be away from certain things and kind of discuss heavier topics that, that are great. Um, so that's all the announcements we got for you. Like I said, if you want to be involved in high school or junior high, let me or Josh know. For all the other things, let Rick know. Um, that's all I got. So we'll see you guys next week. Bye.